Hello, beautiful people. Quick note before we get started. Uh, the musical we're discussing today, Hello Again with Jesse McAnally, deals with themes that uh, are, shall we say, rather adult in nature. And it is impossible to discuss the show without going into some detail about that because the show goes into some detail about that. So um, this is just a quick warning that this episode may not suit your current listening environment. So please look around. And if necessary, choose the nearest exit to yourself. And in case of an emergency of any kind, to avoid discomfort, walk, do not run, to that exit. Anyway, enjoy the show. All right, now we're good. I'm getting, there we go. Okay. Oh, that's what it is. You put magnets near an XLR cable and it's like, ooh. Oh, yeah, that'll do a lot. Signal. <laughs> it's like, why does it sound like an interference on it? Maybe because hey, of the magnets. What you doing, magnets? Fucking <laughs> up my mic. All right, here we go. I mean it this time. This one's this one's for Bernadette. Whenever my world falls apart, I never lose hope or lose heart. Whatever the form of the storm that may brew, not with you to lean on, darlings, you. Hello and welcome to the Original Cast, a podcast about original cast albums and the people who love them. I'm Patrick Flynn. My guest tonight is many things to many people. Google says he's a filmmaker. The Broadway Podcast Network says he's the host of several podcasts, including Musicals with Cheese, The Dear Friends Podcast, and Once More with Dragons. And his Twitter picture says his face is red on one side and blue on the other. But to the rest of us, he is Jesse McAnally. That's me! How you doing? Insert applause. There we go. Mount, we'll just mountainous applause. Thunderous applause. Everybody. Or just crickets. One of those two. I'll let you decide <laughs> in the edit. Pick which one it goes. <laughs> How about crickets applauding? Is that a sound effect we could find? It's one individual cricket. Like, right, cricket, cricket. Like, <laughs> doing that. That's what it sounds like when a cricket applauds. Nothing. Uh, but thank you for having me on oh, is the correct podcast lingo. Thank you lingo. for being had. It is, is wonderful to speak to you. And... Uh, and we're gonna we're okay. We're just gonna get right into it because you've tried to get into it two or three times. We're just gonna get in right <laughs> now, right now. You are here to talk about hello again. Who me? Don't you know my face? No. You there come and tell your sweetheart where you've been. It don't matter. Hello. The Thinking Man's Spring Awakening. Hello again. And, yes, uh, yes. We'll call it that. I'll start at the beginning, as I always do. How did Hello Again come into your life? Um, I heard that there was a movie getting made out of a song cycle, and I was like, that sounds like it's a terrible idea. Um, and so I'm always interested in stage-to-screen adaptations. It's like one of my favorite things to just talk about and think about. Um, so I listened to the album, trying to imagine it as a movie, and I'm like, this is not going to work in any way. And then I saw the movie, and I'm like, this doesn't work, but it almost does. And there's a lot of things that I think it improves upon in the stage musical, and a lot mm. of ideas that I really like. Like, 
how often do you see a movie adaptation like change the orchestration so much that they're better than the original cast recording? Mm, there you go. That's interesting. They brought on T- Tom Almond. I don't know if you know the composer Tom Al- Almond. I don't actually know the composer Tom Almond. Um, he like if you know Laura Benanti's um, "Always Searching for the Wrong Kind of a Oh Attention, yeah, sure, mm-hmm. absolutely that album. Yeah, the he wrote a bunch of songs mm-hmm. for that. He did all the orchestrations for that. Oh okay. Um, for Andrew Rannell's performance on PBS, he did all the orchestrations, wrote a few songs, and like did some incredible stuff there. He is one of the best um, composers and orchestrators for like the big Broadway names, and he's known for like that modernistic kind of techie noise. Which mm. when I first heard about it, I'm mm-hmm. like, how's that gonna fit with Hello again? That feels like a very Lachusea musical that has not not much of that oomph oomph to it. And then I watch it, and there's so much oomph oomph. They like use neon, and it feels like you're in a bar throughout throughout a majority of it. It's great. It really does. Why, yeah. We're talking about the movie mostly. <laughs> We're going to talk a lot about the movie. Well, the, because the the well, yes, you you brought you brought up the movie. I was able to watch the movie. I found the movie. I was able to watch it. So we're definitely going to talk about it. Um, but uh, before we jump into that and the and the whole thing, we should probably back up mm-hmm. a step because I didn't know the answer to this question. I'm going to ask you, and that is, can you summarize the plot or themes, however you want to describe it, of Hello Again? <laughs> Um, because it doesn't really have this? a plot per t- per se, but it it has a gimmick to it. Yeah, yes, and as much detail as you want. There are there's a lot to dig into song by song, yeah. so we can get a kind of overview here and then go through, or we can you know however you want to. Yeah, I think the best it. way is to give a general overview, which the show is about sexual encounters um, over the years in no chronological order. Um, Daisy linked between characters in a way where we start with like two characters, then one of them continues the next story, and that new character then continues the next story. So, in every scene, we introduce a new character, and we and we move on with them, um, losing one, gaining another, losing one, yes. gaining another, and they're all about sexual encounters that either go well or go poorly, and a small scenes, and some of them are more interesting than others. Um, it's a mixed bag, like you get in most song cycles. <laughs> Um, that is true. But the movie, yeah, the movie adds the gimmick of one giving the other this ruby amulet, yeah, ring, whatever, which kind of adds some kind of theatrical tie to it, like some kind of movie gimmick of like we're following this thing through the ages, right? Doesn't really work, no, on stage, but that works as effective as it could in film. So before we started recording, you asked yes. me. Did I like it? <laughs> what did I think of it? Um, yeah. And I said you had to wait till we were recording before I'd answer that question. And now here we are, so here we go. Um, I The honest answer is I'm glad you said it doesn't work. Um, <laughs> not because I, I didn't dislike it, but I'm not sure that I liked it. And it's one of those weird kind of sideways situations where I see what's happening. Like I understand the artistry of the construct and it's almost too apparent to me. Mm. And I'm talking in both the album and the movie. I can talk about these. These are both complaints I have simultaneously with it. Right. Um, Because as you say, it's a song cycle of sexual encounters where on the stage adaptation in a non-chronological order, each each encounter jumps around in time 
mm-hmm. mostly through music, though there is some explicit time basting, uh, specifically when we get to the husband and the young thing and the, being on the Titanic. Um, yes. and then the and then the young thing goes hooks up with the writer, which is taking place many years later, decades later. And the way Lacusa does it in the yes. stage show is mainly through. Uh, styles of music, the way he's composing the songs, that he's setting the stage that way. The movie makes it explicit, where it says what year it is, the year flashes up on the screen. You know, the last five years basically did that with their It did. It pretty much did, yeah. Um, and I'm not saying that's wrong, and I'm not saying that's a bad choice, because I think the audience might get a little lost if you didn't do something like that uh, in the film. Or you might think it's more than it is. And that's my real complaint about both kind of ends up being, I don't understand what we're saying here exactly. The research I'd done into the original play that it's based on, Le Ronde, Ronde. uh, by Arthur Arthur Schnitzler, which are, yes, Schnitzler, yes. Great name. Great name, oh, fantastic name. Um, Says that it uh, his it was mainly a statement he was making about class that the the sexual mores transcend class between people and and there's a lot about you know animalistic impulses and and class divides and how those things are artificial and mm-hmm. stuff like that that's great the movie and the musical are not as interested in that as there is to there seems to be to me this thing that happens and I don't know if this is intentional I wonder if you notice this too. Where the sexual promiscuity is passed to the character who continues yes. in the next scene. Is that what you're... Okay. Because I was... The first encounter we have was called the whore and the soldier. And the soldier goes into the next scene with the nurse. And the nurse is very chaste in that scene. And they have sex. And then the nurse follows us into the next scene. And she is sexually aggressive. And that sexual aggression seems to follow with the character who transitions into the next scene. And that is something you're, you're agreeing with my, my notice. Oh yeah. hundred okay. percent. There's a, okay. there's a lot of little stuff in there. Um, and yeah. the, the way the callbacks are gone to where they outright quote the sexual aggressor from the previous yes. scene. Yes. 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 Which is interesting. As well as other times they're just quoting randomly. There's a lot <laughs> of stuff like that. <laughs> it's strange how often they call back. I know we're in musical theater. We love callbacks. We love repre- reprising mm-hmm. phrases and all that. Of reprising melodies, but that's not really like Lacuzia's like jam most of the time. He he isn't that kind of composer. So when I hear him do it, it seems much more intentional. Um, mostly just because that's like list compare his wild party to Lippa's wild party. It's a sure. much different beast because it doesn't really play with themes and musical touches in the same way as this. So what would you? That's interesting. What would you say he, the kind of composer he is? You think he's more traditional? that or more classic what do you where are you i I think he's like untraditional and it's strange because his went to broadway where lippas didn't where lippas feels much more like a pop album his feels more like a weird art piece and yet he's the one that went to broadway there's a big discussion about that that's to be had yes um you've had it It i've had part of it yes yeah (laughs) (laughs) yes lauren alverson and i Um, dug deep into that into the both wild parties Yeah, the wild parties are both great for different reasons. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but he just isn't that like. Have you listened to his first daughter suite and first wife suite at all? Yes, not not closely, but yes, I have heard. I think I've heard, and I've heard that, and I've heard Marie Christie, obviously, as, yeah. we, as we all have. Yeah, then yeah. we're gonna come back to that name, Marie. That no, name, Marie, right. comes- keeps <laughs> popping up. Keeps popping up. Um, I got to put a pin in that because all the characters in the movie have names, and I found that distracting. Um, the uh, 
Yeah, because I I would agree with you. I think it's funny that Lippa's Wild Parties does sound a little bit more pop musical, and his is a little more. I yeah, experimental is a good term for it. And mm-hmm. this lives in that vein. Like I was not surprised when I started listening to this. Being like, yes, this is absolutely the the style of music I was sort of expecting. It's not quite. They're not quite songs. They're not quite recitative, but they have themes but- and they build and they push each other. Yeah. The thing is, some of them are songs. Like yes, Tom, some of them specifically are specifically just a pop song. And very, very been, songs. Yes. And uh, the wife of the senator, or mistress of the senator, is just a song, and it's, yes. uh, it works on its own. Yes. Um, which is, Andrew McDonald has made an entire yeah. life outside of it. Yeah. So that's the big. What's so interesting about the adaptation to adaptation, also. And we are jumping around a bit, but I don't mind that yeah. because this show jumps around all over the place. Yeah, we're not going to give you your traditional no, thing. No, we're not doing it. We're going to no. see themes gonna, and you're going to listen to it backwards. Around. You're right. It's true. It's and I'm going to edit this way out of sequence. You're never going to be able to tell where we were talking about when. It's very nonlinear <laughs> structure. Uh, but it is for your drive to work. But <laughs> it is a – so Lacuso, when he adapted this play, uh, played with um, – played with the gender of the characters because the play was written in, in 1900. It was so scandalous yeah. it wasn't produced until 1920, which I love that little detail. I'd mm-hmm. also, I like the other little detail that it briefly dropped into the public domain in the early 80s and everyone did it because they didn't have to pay for it. And then it went back into the public domain and back in under copyright and nobody touched it for a while. But he, uh, so Lacusa in his adaptation changes the gender of, the gender identity of the young thing uh, with the husband of the young thing, from female to male, mm-hmm. to add that wrinkle to the character. The movie then takes that and runs with it in a very, in occasionally interesting and occasionally confusing moments. Yeah, the openings especially. See, I found that one to be interesting because one of the bits in that song, and I assume in the, in the source material, yeah. is that. She, Donna Murphy in the show plays. I'm just going to keep calling her the whore because that's what the show calls her. It, it, it Leo Cardi is what yeah. the movie calls. Leo Cardi. There we go. So uh, she um, she gives it away. That's her thing. Like this is the bit. You don't have to pay with her. Guys, I like don't have to pay. Right. And it's a, it's a weird little funny twitch that the way the musical begins. When the movie started that way, I thought, oh, that's interesting because of the the you know this the the opening scene takes place in the movie in like World War One I, I think is where yes. we're at kind of nineteen oh one yeah so the 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 you know the 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 character being homosexual makes that much more like he's just looking for affection and love and has any way any which way he can find it and physical contact whatever it is it just seemed a little more logical to me that it would be like like listen i just i want some company right now it was kind of more of a a pickup sort of situation and then it got interesting when it wrapped around with the senator being martha plimpton mm-hmm. and him being a male prostitute you know to again make that little it's a choice it's a choice it's i don't you know defend it not defend it i just did just think it was kind of an interesting moment when I realized that it was a male performer in that in that situation. I was like, oh that's that's kind of an because it also then makes the theft of the brooch a little bit bizarre. Yeah. Again like it's, I, yeah. The character of the soldier is the one who I felt in both the musical and the movie, I didn't hundred percent know how I was supposed to feel about this person because it's the only one that breaks the 
the sexual aggressiveness yeah. trope because he's sexually aggressive in both of his encounters. He's the he's the aggressor uh, in a physical way. Obviously, the 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 character of the whore Brink calls him in, but yeah. he is the like he like you say he steals the brooch. He's very aggressive in the scene, especially in the movie, and it doesn't quite. Maybe well, not aggressor, but seductress. Like, he is not the seducer. Here, That's true. He is not the seducer. Maybe just changing it from aggression to seducer it might be a better way to frame it. Um, so let me set up the themes that were set up in The the Whore and the Soldier. Hello again. Where are you going, All of those will be paid off later. Right. All of those things will come to make this a whole cycle. But now let's move on to a soldier and nurse. I've been looking for you my whole life. Me? I got a little time. I got a little itch. I got to get that little itch scratched. And who's going to help me out? I gotta make it fast. The time I've got to scratch my itch may be my last. Right, which is a weird. I gotta say, like that—that that was the mo- that was when I was like, "Oh, this is Lacusa." Yeah, it gives me the vibe of the "How Many Women in the World" from the, his Wild Party, where mm-hmm. Manny Patinkin's like, "How many women?" Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, Clips. I, I did a perfect impression. You that was did? It. No, you did. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly how it goes. It's nothing. Nothing you said was wrong. But let's think about the fantasy sequence as we go along. Like, sure. they get more broad. And I really, I think that's kind of the thing I like about this is how the diegesis is never broken except for in this scene. Or mm-hmm. other scenes where it's like, the songs are music videos that are, we break up the reality and make it non-reality. The songs are the interpretation of these characters. The point of view of these characters, what we see visually is their emotions coming to life visually. Kind of like across the universe. I know a lot of people don't love that movie, but I think how that uses its musical numbers are very oh, good. Man, I do not love that movie, but I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yes, I would. Yes, I would agree with that. I, I don't think that I think that's a movie that suffers from a lot of things. But the coherence of the music, musical numbers integration into the scenes is not one thing that movie suffers from. No, no, no. Yeah. But that's um, another film where every song is a musical is a music video in a way that is both effective for character development and emotional representation of feelings in a non-direct way. I'm right. sorry to go all filmmaky talk on you. No, um, no, I don't. No, I mean I can I can hang. I've got a master's degree. I can hang. But perfect. The, yeah. And, <laughs> but I also want to point out that the editor of this film, the mm-hmm. one that decides what we see and when we see it, it is also the screenwriter of this film. Yes, so, I noticed that. That is. A very interesting choice and makes it so that I'm not sure if it makes it more intentional or less intentional because of it. it I mean, it's impossible to say, obviously, but it is yeah. a weird, not a credit you see very often that the editor no. and the screenwriter does. Even on the lowest budget sort of indie films, rarely do those the screenwriter. Drive. It's always the director if it on right. the lowest budget indie films. Yes. And in the best ones, the screenwriter, the director's using a pseudonym. I always love that when the director, there's, two, there's not enough people who worked on the movie, so the director uses a pseudonym for some of the jobs that, the, that they did. Yeah, Tommy Wiseau did that, right? No, oh, God. Well, Tommy like, Wiseau has dead the dead men as his producers. Tommy, Tommy Wiseau has the distinction, though, of also being the only filmmaker in history to be credited as both producer and executive producer of, of the movie he <laughs> also wrote and directed and starred in. So 
Yeah, it's a, it's the best movies have the same producer and executive producer. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no movies have best editor and screenwriter as the same one. Like no. this is it. I don't know. Yeah, unless that person's also the director. That's always. The, I mean, you do see that if the if the screenwriter yeah, is also the director. Yeah, or I mean, most you know most directors are also in some capacity editors on their on their films, even if they're not doing the cutting. All but, right. So yeah. yes. I know you want to move on, but I got to point out the late no, motifs of the soldier nurse scene. I got a little time. My mama don't know what she don't see. And as well, here's the thing we got to talk about. What do you think angels mean? Because it is mentioned in every single song. Yeah. <laughs> here's the thing. I don't know. I don't think they know. The film, I think the filmmakers clearly made a decision about that because it's, it's so aggressive to me in the movie. I noticed it more in the movie than I did on the cast yes. album. Because there's imagery that kind of goes along with it. Mm-hmm. and pointed like At you said end, close-ups yeah. I mean, yeah so there's clearly a point to that somewhere but and i'm sure maybe lacusa knew what it was but it's whatever it is it doesn't come through to me on in just the album mm-hmm. whatever that is supposed to be it yes it, it was i definitely noticed but it's not like i don't quite get it i don't quite understand what that has to do with everything we're saying because there i mean there are some interesting things in this about salvation and freedom from repression like there is or is sex just heavenly or something like that yeah everyone... because these characters aren't like so far we've like the characters are not released by their sexual experiences they are not like in fact quite the opposite in some cases post like, not clarity the musical <laughs> <laughs> there it is there we are <laughs> right nobody there's no epiphanies in these i mean because like you know the, the the first encounter ends with a theft and and a yep. rejection. I mean, because the, the 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 whore is clearly looking for some kind of postcoital connection. connection with the soldier and is rejected roundly. Then in the soldier and the nurse, it has a slightly less harsh finish, but it's still pretty. You know, he basically leaves her for another woman. Well, and it's alone. It's also clearer in the movie that like he is because they have that shot of him getting ready in the mirror, mm-hmm. where he's like clearly on the make. From the jump, you know, like yeah. in the in the movie, in the in the show, there's a little plausible deniability that maybe he's being sincere in some way about how little time he has, and maybe he is shipping out tomorrow. I do want to point out another weird change sure. in the movie that does, I double checked that was not in the stage show. I found some version of the stage show online. Um, during their sex scene, um, their elongated sex scene. Mm-hmm. Um, we hear a little bit of Tom, um, where it's like, we kiss and we say goodbye, which hmm. is not in the stage show and mm-hmm. is a call forward, which is, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think they know each other's names, so maybe it's a call for that. Um, she Also, she mentions professional ethics, and that will come back into the next one. Hey! Not so fast. I got professional ethics, you know. Which is a great joke. Like a really a moment listening to this album, I laughed out loud. Is her yeah. talking about as a nurse her professional ethics? Because then, yes, we jump forward to the next, the nurse and the college boy, where our nurse is yes. now tending to a wealthy Manhattan, in you know, fun wants trust to look fund like kid. Jackie Kennedy or well, no, one of the Kennedys. He wants, yeah, Jack Kennedy. Yeah, Jack Kennedy. Jack Kennedy. And he uh, he has broken his leg or his ankle and sprained it. Sprained, just sprained it. it. Just sprained it. 
loser. And uh, he's lying on the couch and the nurse is tending to him. And uh, then she decides to tend to him in her professional, more than in her professional capacity, shall we say. I should have met you in some other life. We're not violating any professional ethics, are we? I should have met you in some other time. Would have been sweeter kissing you. Would have been better with someone softer, someone younger, someone easy, someone like myself, 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 myself. But other things happened in some other life. It don't matter what or when or who. Some little bit of me's gone. I'm gonna steal a little bit of you. Which is a bizarre kind of experience for the college boy where he is he is he is engaged into uh some rather rough uh and finding kinky 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 bondage sex yes where he is don't dance around it he is bound that's true we can put it that way he's literally bound and and then uh left and left there when it's over yes well, because he's kind of a dick. It's he was he, uh, is. he had it coming. He did. He. I never felt. Yes. No. I didn't feel bad for him in any any moment no. of any of these scenes. I was like, nope. He neither in the film nor this one. These two songs back to back, both College Boy songs. I think my emotions and listening to them on the album translated most directly into the movie, where I was pretty yeah. much like, yep, that's what that scene is. Mm-hmm. That's how I felt. Like that. Those moved pretty seamlessly. Well, that's kind of the thing. Another thing that I think about movie musical adaptations, um, it's great if they improve it, but if they don't make it worse, that that is perfect. And I don't think any part of this movie is a worse version of Hello Again. See, okay. That's interesting. We're going to come back to that. Um, um, but let's talk but, about themes in the song before we yes, move on so to Yes, so we're on to Nurse and the College Boy. Yes, what are the themes of yes. In Some Other Life? Yeah. Mama don't know what she don't see. We're not violating any professional ethics, are we? And for the movie, they changed Pepsi machine to soda machine in that list. Right. <laughs> just, well, just thought I'd throw that. You don't out want to there. pay for Pepsi machine. Yeah, no. That's always interesting to me. Yeah. The, it is the things the, things you can say in mo- plays and books that you can't do in movies is always very very interesting to me. I go back to what the South Park guys said when they did Book of Mormon. It's like there was no rules. No one told us we couldn't do anything except like kill someone on the stage. So it was weird having that freedom. Like theater is the most freeing art form if you think about and it. And it's funny that the thing I always think of way back is listening to the um, director's commentary on Fight Club. Uh, <laughs> which is basically 45 minutes of David Fincher complaining about the fact that when you make a movie, you have to clear all the character names. Yeah. And they have to be generic enough that they, you know, that they can't, like there have to be a certain number of people in the, in the country named this person's name. And if they're other, so they can't sue you and say, that's me. I will say that you bringing up David Fincher just made reminded me that I'm one degree away from David Fincher. You're one Meatloaf degree away? Why? Because Meatloaf and I had a, a very public online. Uh, oh. There's a whole episode of my podcast about it. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> me and my co-host were personally attacked by, by Meatloaf. Meatloaf? May he rest in peace. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Oh wow! I'm sorry to hear that, or not? It, you're laughing about it, so it's a it's hilarious story. Okay. It is oh my actively hilarious. Do you want to tell the hilarious story, or do you want people to go uh, find it? 
go find it because find it's it, yes. a lot. It's just like Meatloaf fell into the QAnon QAnon hole. Uh, is and... this on? Is this musicals with cheese? Yeah, it was musicals with oh, cheese. Okay. Oh my gosh. And it was pretty pretty funny. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Bookmarking that for later. So the yes, we move from uh, the nurse and the college boy. Which is so. Uh, it's a quick recap, just to kind of back yes. up for a second, because we're three songs in. The 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 thematic move has been from the whore and the soldier, the soldier and the nurse, the nurse and the college boy, and in each case, the instigator of the the sexual encounter has has been you know the first person who then moves into the next scene and instigates yes. a sexual encounter with the next person, and we keep going in that sort of pattern again. At this point, no clear theme of that has emerged, except possibly some sort of like undercurrent about how how sexual openness you know moves people to be more sexually open. I guess in the best interpretation of it. But then we get into the scene that actually has a conflict in it, which we haven't had yet. Remember last time in the park in the rowboat we were naked. It was perfect. It was cold. What if my husband... He's a bore. He supports me. And he's stuffy. He's in business. And he's old. I'm leaving. No. I'm morally bankrupt. My reputation is at stake. My marriage is at stake. He gives me everything. Well, almost everything. I hate to lie to him. He's going out of town next week. That's good. Again. You have to leave him. You're insane. But I love you. Please don't love me. But I love you. This is wrong. What I found so hilarious about it was it was two people engaged in in sexual congress for reasons passing understanding. Like neither of them really seemed like they wanted to be there. Yeah. And it wasn't the first time. And that was the point, I thought. Like that was what was interesting is they were like literally going through the motions in an affair circumstance, which is so funny in that like moment where it's supposed to be risky and fun and neither of them seem to be having any fun. Yeah, but that's also what made it so sad for me. Well, yeah, <laughs> like, it's incredibly sad. Like the whole thing's very but, sad. But like in a way where I didn't feel like laughing. Uh, like oh, they're okay. talking about having sex in a rowboat and like how freezing it was. And yeah. I just felt so bad for both of them, especially the the, the wife character. Um, where yeah. at least in Tom, she has this like fun agency fantasy world where she's like taking in control of what she's got. Yeah, but it's still a fantasy world in that sort of I, circumstance. No, okay. <laughs> It's not quite, you know. That's control, where I feel like she just feels morally bankrupt and sad about her entire predicament in a way where I can't laugh at the fact that he can't get a boner. Like, that kind of defeats the purpose of me laughing at the fact that he can't get it up. (laughs) I I mean, I guess maybe it was just the right song in the right moment, but I really found, like, it... I I like the sudden change in direction. I like the sudden change in tone. And I do also like that he is like the college boy. It's, it's not the same thing again. It is not no. a, like, I'm going to try to pick up this woman in, in the, in, in a bar kind of thing. It is, a, or whatever the circumstance, he is trying to be that guy, but he isn't that guy. Yeah. And I, I felt in the scene, there's a lot of like his shame of being, of like wanting to be something that he wasn't. And then her, terrible circumstance like i really got into the circumstance like she's very unhappy in her marriage she's very unhappy in this relationship and at the end especially in the movie there's this sense of just like 
I don't know where I'm going to go from here. Like, this is sort of like, well, that didn't work, and the other thing's not working, and it's all very risky, and isn't this supposed to be fun? And then we move into the young wife and the husband before we do. Late motifs. <laughs> I should have found you in some other life. I should have... I'm morally bankrupt. Be the greatest of adventures in the sorry little story of my life. There is a really conscious effort to call back to the previous and to yes. push forward to the next one. But then there's ones where they reach like four yeah, songs ahead. That's the thing. And there are also there are random moments where like you say, like we've reached back to the soldier two songs ago, which is not a character who either of them would have had any interaction with. Obviously the college boy connects with the nurse who connects with the soldier. But it does kind of draw attention to an odd sort of like ret- like recall. And I don't know how many of these are for fun and how many of these are structurally like important. And I think that is something we've both talked about, how there, there, there's kind of a muddy water situation going on. Yeah, but one thing I did want to bring up um, that I forgot to bring up the other two oh. is every song references Marie. <laughs> oh, yes, that's right. We did. I even wrote that down. I wrote yeah, down Marie. Um, yeah, yes. Marie pops up again. She's always referenced in the negative. Um, yes. So let's just bring it up in the wife um, and the husband, that scene. Yes, which is where, where we're headed. The wife next yes i don't remember my husband's voice i don't remember my lover's voice i do remember i hear that voice and i'm wanting to run i'm wanting to scream i'm wanting to cry i ask his name and we Tells an anecdote um, about her friend Marie cheating on her husband, and he's like, "That's morally bankrupt." Right, and that's when I first like the the bolt went off my head. Like, oh yeah, Marie's been said a lot in the show. Now, where um, are we in time? Can... Also, with this one, um, I believe this is the sixties. Yes, I believe uh, let it me is. Double this... check that one really quick. Um, fifty six. This is fifty six. So we went from. Mm-hmm. We started in 1901 and we jumped to 1944 or 45. 42. 42. Never mind. I was wrong both times. Then up into the early 60s with the nurse 67. and the college God, I am not moving this well at all. I should have written then these down. Then 29 for the college boy and the young wife. That's um, what it is. And 29. Then 56. And then we're in 56 for, for the young wife and the husband. Yes. Um, which the costuming is, is outstanding in this section of the movie, I have to say. And the appreciate the... I appreciated the way this was shot in the movie, especially when she's in Central Park on the bridge. It felt very stereotypical, which is what they're playing with. Yeah. But it's sort of, it's very, what's the word I'm actually looking for? It's very trite in certain yeah, sections. Cliche. Which is the point. Like it, it to be in that moment because she's going through her, her journey with her husband in the film is T.R. Knight, we should also say. He's beautiful in the film. He is probably one of my favorite, like both stage screen actors. I can nail both. Mm. Okay. What do you think? Do you disagree? No, I don't disagree. I have very little. I mean, I haven't seen him on stage, which is which is a shame. 
Have um, you seen him in the parade? Um, any clips of him? In I the have parade? seen clips of that. Yes, he is so good. I think he might be the only one they really bring out the live singing with. I feel like up to this mm. point they really embraced um, some of the pre-recorded tracks, which is not mm-hmm. a bad thing. Live singing, no, live pre-recorded, singing is... both both can be amazing. They should. I really feel like they should always in every mu- musical movie they should do both. They should make an effort yeah. to record it live, but they shouldn't do the thing they did. Obviously, in the lame is famously in the lame is. Yeah. because it's I think waste of time. <laughs> yeah. But uh um, but TR Knight is absolutely incredible in the scene at just singing notes in pitch and acting for the camera as opposed to the screen. Which is that's the what it is. Of adventures a man and woman have is marriage. It's just quiet enough that she can hear it, but he's still singing in pitch. It is that is just that's exactly the thing. And that's exactly uh, what the characters who I really cared for in this did is they were acting for the camera. They were right in there knowing exactly how big was... It's a terrible balancing act mm-hmm. between music theater performance and film performance. It's a terrible... Like, you've really got to hold that line. And, not... and we'll talk about people who I think did very badly at this in the <laughs> yes, same movie. Oh, um, yes, because they're coming. I, however, there yeah. is... Like, Rumor Wills does that scene just mm-hmm. as well T.R. Knight. He, mm-hmm. But when we get into Tom, which is my favorite song in this entire musical oh, version, okay. plays it up like it's a music video, yeah. belts like it's the back of the audience, yeah. and it works because we have explained that this is not the real world, this is not literal anymore. Yeah. Like, you can have the serious Les Mis close-up song, and you can have the music video scene, and they're married together right next to each other, and it works. Mm-hmm. And it works. So, show the, me another movie musical that does this. It does when it works for. It also works for that song though. Those three songs that go together because yes. technically it means three sort of moments in this scene. And this scene is suited to that. Not all of the scenes in this movie are suited to that sort of blending. The from the stage show. I mean, they don't all kind of. No. Y- you couldn't do that with all of them. And this is a moment where I think the the synthesis of movie and musical come together very, very cleanly. Um, less so in others. But this one, yeah, you're, you're right. You're very much right about that. And again, two performers who know what they're doing. Everything's coming together. Everything's clicking. And we're firing on all cylinders. Uh, mm. Would you like to... Like, Ready for a late motif yes, before we move do. on. Hit it. I won't forget Let's move on to the next we one. Are, wait, 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 let's keep moving at an excellent clip. Yeah, because it is. here we are halfway through, and I will say a clear theme has not emerged in either the musical or the movie. A clear idea, a clear me- – I don't, I don't know if it's important that everything have a message, but I think when you have something like this that is so abstract, the audience is going to take – is going to feel there should be a message, you know what I mean? Because there's not a cohesive plot. There's not, you know, there's not a, a running character growth. Their audience is going to be looking for something to hang on to, and we have not been yet presented with something. More we have in the movie, I think, a coherent idea yes. than in the musical. Because um, we're following that gemstone, we're following that ruby, right? That we still don't quite know why, but we'll we'll see. And- it doesn't matter. That's just what we're going to follow Let's see where through. we get. Yeah, let's see where Every we get person the that enters the scene gets the ruby. Every person that leaves the scene gives the ruby. Gives the ruby. And now we're getting on the Titanic. Yeah. Uh, which is. I love this. We've jumped back to 19. What was that? 1912? 1912. 1912. I know when the Titanic sank. 
And I think it's 110 years this year. Hey! hey! Oh, hey? I guess I don't know. Hey, would we celebrate that? <laughs> Do you dr- Come on, Titanic 2! Let's go I just for a ride, like, guys! I just felt like James Cameron. It'll come out before Avatar 2 does. Uh, yeah. But, so we have, yes, the husband and the young thing uh, on the ship as it's going down singing Listen to the Music. Listen to the music, music doesn't lie. It says I found an angel, and now I'd like to fly. No, I won't leave my husband. You can't make me get on the boat. This song is such a brilliant idea, and it's <laughs> such like... an interesting idea. Okay, so. The same reason why you love the Rumor Willis yes. movie theater scene. Yeah. I love this scene. There's so much dramatic irony going on yes. in this. Yes. Um, you don't know where the scene's going. It's tense. There is so You bring in your own knowledge into this, and this guy trying to get his last before the fucking ship goes down. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. In fact, not so pretty much. That's exactly what's happening. Well, so when does... Here's something that the movie did that I wasn't sure was in the musical. When, it wasn't because listening to the album... You don't quite understand the stakes of the circumstance until later in the song when they finally he, – he announces the ship is sinking, unless I'm mistaken. Like what do you mean? Well, like that I didn't quite – I'm trying to – I can't remember exactly at what point I realized they were on the, – the I'm talking about the first time That's I listened fair. to it. That's fair. When they're on the Titanic. You know what I mean? Like when it's like, oh, this ship is definitely sinking. Because it's played off almost as a joke. In on, now, this is again. This is the album. This is not the stage show. But he says something about how the ship is struck an iceberg. We are sinking. Lifeboats are being lowered. We will die soon. Oh, that's good. Never heard that one before. I do want to say this. Yes. Um, the album does cut a lot of the introduction dialogue. Sure. Um, right. Um, so the intros to each scene, like a lot of scenes, are cut. So the moments where they're like chatting, like drink the, where he's teaching mm-hmm. him how to be a proper gentleman, that is not on the album. Right. It is in but the it show is in the stage show. show. Okay. So that was, so in, in the movie, it is very explicit that they're on the Titanic early. I mean, you in see 1912 and you see a guy you in a fancy guy on coat a on the boat. Your, right. your, yeah, your brain you, goes your off brain like, goes oh, I've to, seen this. To where it is. Yes. Yeah, like, hmm, something about this is familiar. Um, so I <laughs> saw so Leonardo DiCaprio run across the screen for no reason. Yeah. But, might as uh, well be. And so, yes, and so the ship is going down, and T.R. Knight, as the husband, is trying to make the best of the circumstance, I guess, uh, with with the young thing who uh, he – and, they, yes, they have this <laughs> – this quasi-romantic, hilarious, farcical, tragic, again, sequence of of uh, of being on the sinking ship, and, and it uh, – Things aren't going as as they well they they guess they go fine until they don't go. F- yeah, <laughs> because he doesn't even get him a life. That scene in the movie where he doesn't get him a life jacket. Yeah. Oh that's my god. So telling. Oh, that is so rough. Because he's hiding him. Like the the scene is in the movie. Gay panic. Total. I mean, yeah, so many, so much. But he's like stowed this this young man away in. I guess he's locked him in the cap the dresser. I can't remember, but he's like, and he, the guy comes around with life jacket saying the ship's going down. We, we, everyone needs to have a life jacket. Is there anyone else in there? And he's like, nope, just me, just me in here. One life jacket. Yep, plenty. yep, yep. No, no, totally nope. heterosexual things totally, going on totally in here. Straight Come on. Things. And yes. Sports. And, <laughs> sports. It's 1912. I can see a polo. I love polo. Um, are you ready for leitmotifs, though? <laughs> I am more than ready for leitmotifs. Hit me. We 
only have a little time. What? We, we, we have to spend it wisely. Myself, 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 myself. Carl. I thought I'd found an angel. And then the boat goes down. Yeah, then the boat goes down, <laughs> and, the boat and goes down. then we transfer into like my least favorite section where I'm so tempted to oh, turn off. Oh, good. I'm glad you said that. <laughs> the one I love kisses me, and I'm safe. The one I love touches me, and I float. The one I love is here. Holding me, finally, you took so long for me to find the world can end tomorrow. I found the one I love. I hate the scene. Like, this is the part where I'm like, yeah, I get why people hate this movie. Oh, I man. I literally had every time I've rewatched, I've skipped over this scene. Wait, so Fresh. in 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 the in the album, it's uh the the so we have John now, Cameron Mitchell. It, yeah, I was gonna say John Cameron Mitchell plays the young thing, and Malcolm Getz plays the writer, and there yeah. is so much interesting. No, I, I don't know if it's because when I hear Malcolm Getz sing, my, my brain instantly goes to, well, ironically, a new brain. What would I do? Yeah. No, not that one. No, no it's, um, yeah, but you um, know what I mean. And they're off. There we go. Da, that's da, exactly da, right. Da, yes. Da, and, they're da, off. Da, yeah. and they're off. And uh, so, like, that's instantly when I hear his singing voice, that's where I head. And the montage sequence has a very Bill Finn energy to it as he's yes. trying to write. He's erasing. He's moving. He's he's gets you know in his head. He's writing the movie. He's figuring out the movie that he's making. There's a lot of but it, the big thing is for me. There's a lot of energy to it. And Malcolm Getz and John Cameron Mitchell have an excellent chemistry and they play off each other very very well. The movie, on the other hand, bad, 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 bad. With Tyler Blackburn as the young thing and Cheyenne Jackson as as the writer, two two actors who are very charismatic and very very interesting. It just dies on the vine, and I don't know why. <laughs> it just absolutely, oh my god, it's so flat. And yeah, I, I got nothing. I have no explanation. Long. The it yeah. feels like Todd Alman's like thrust the bass. We gotta keep them watching. Let's not waste any more time. Let's on yeah. It. Let's move for forward. Yes, motifs. I'm ready for the light motif. Light motif corner. All right. Bring me screenplay. Me directed by De Palma. No, me. It's an angel. I love kisses me, and I'm safe. The one I love touches. All right, let's move on to something good. Audra. <laughs> so here comes Bring Audra. Her in. Is my problem Cheyenne Jackson? Is that my problem? I'm starting to wonder if that's my problem in this movie. Not okay. in life. I don't mean in life. I don't have a Cheyenne Jackson problem in life. But, like, I really liked... So, yes, we have the next sequence is um, the writer and the actress. So we carry over the writer, who's Cheyenne Jackson, in the movie. Again, it's Malcolm Getz in the album. And in the in the film, the actress is uh, Audra McDonald in the in the 
stage production, it's uh, Michelle Pauk, who is also excellent. Um, yes. And, but, but it's yes, a but it's silent Ultra. movie in the album. That's true. So it's silent movie in the album. I have written you the role of a lifetime. An innocent, helpless waif. No! But I must play a sensual creature, a modern woman. I cannot play a lie. You shall play the part I wrote for you. And in the, in the movie, it is what is it? Beyonce. <laughs> oh, that's right. Okay, it's Beyonce. Let's let's be clear. Be on the the scene in the movie for everybody. I would love to. Just... So we get Audrey McDonald playing Beyonce, but a soprano, and she's like, ma'am, why are you auto-tuning my voice? I ha- I, My voice can do anything. And he's like, this is written by me, directed by me, pay off lay motif. And then he's like, I wrote you this generic love song that is so stupid and goofy that I can't help me, Jesse, cannot help but love it. Then they bang <laughs> um, after they were like, hey, you, you cheated on me. No, I cheated on you. We cheated on each other. It's a boring scene, but Audra's great, and the Beyond the Moon song is so ridiculous, and I love every second of it, <laughs> despite it being so ridiculous. <laughs> There's a reason they released that song as basically its own trailer. Well, and then they, but then it ends in this kind of weird moment where he storms out of the studio and she's there and it it just kind of like cause they it's, both have post nut clarity where it's like I man guess, yeah, we're gonna true. get back together right <laughs> which is something i mean that's a theme in this in this show is is post nut clarity post, post nut clarity <laughs> i got you post, i was gonna say yeah, we got we'll you. say I'll use more syllables and say post post yeah I can't even say it post coital enlightenment come on yeah I like post nut clarity though that's the t-shirt but the so that that is something that that does come up throughout this is is the is the the, the clarity of vision after and but in this scene it's interesting because it's sort of unexpressed it's just sort of like we all know in the air yeah. that things have gone badly and then we jump into the actress and the senator. Can play the mistress of the senator. Stash me in a comfortable high rise that's convenient to the hill. And after making some speech or signing some bill, you'll drop in for lunch. And if you never take lunch with me around, you will. I'll play the mistress of the senator. I look good in red or white or blue. I'll be friendly to Republicans. What year are we supposed to be in, by the way? Uh, let's shake a look. I think this is two, 1989. 1989. And 2002 okay. was the writer and the actress. Okay, the writer and the actress is 2002, and now we're in 1989. Okay, that makes a little more sense. But it is like, it's still uh, the only moment where it gets a little clunky and then gets... Because in the, in the stage production, 
with the the actress and the senator, which becomes the mistress and the senator yeah. of the song. It is a little. It's a lot more clandestine. It's a lot more like he's come to her apartment, and it's all very like shady and and yeah. and and grimy, and a little bit more like the politician and and the actress kind of thing. Very typical. But in this, this is the so pre- good. <laughs> it is so much more interesting to have the premise be that the actress is famous and is throwing a fundraiser for the senator, and they also happen to be lovers. Like that's such mm-hmm. an interesting conflict to put on top of this very staid sort of sequence that I was in again in a moment where I was expecting it to be oh it's the senator and the actress scene it's just this little like whatever it suddenly has stakes it suddenly has like their relationship has stuff to it I was like yes please more of this please this is what I'm here for and the visuals the visual yes. like we talk about the music video side this is where the music video side of it pays off like they you mm-hmm. got the good the lie sequence when they're in the elevator like and all the way up to their apartment yes um but you also have this incredible mistress of the senator music video sequence where we cut to audra on tvs and we cut to her at different events and all that and the reality is broken it is not diegetic in every sort it, it is perfect this is probably the most perfect scene in the movie oh yeah without question this really like this this is the the only moment i think where the movie is firing on all cylinders like every single the the every every element is actually paying off and it's very handy that this is almost the end of the movie so you're you're coming you know you're in the right part to sort of like pull it all together um but of course their relationship doesn't work either because none of the relationships work in this in this uh in this story and what are our light motifs, Jess? Um, we got a couple. Um, we have um, a lie, which is set up for the next song. Mm-hmm. Um, Angel, of course. And previously, we heard this line. Um, I believe it was in the the, the 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 oh, it was the previous song. It was "You Need a Lover." That was said in that the, mm-hmm. that song, and it was put into this one. That's only for the movie. I don't know if there was anything in the silent movie segment. I don't think there was. All right, let's go to the senator and the whore. We're back full we're back circle, baby! Which is where we started, which I'm not sure how I feel about that. Like, this movie does start with, like you say, Martha Plimpton walks into a peep show environment and yeah. looks at somebody who is on a video screen because we're in the present day slash future, it almost feels like to me. Um, 2012. Right, which is four years before, like for five years before this movie came out. Yeah, I'm about to say, you say the future, but this is, this is the past. This is a period <laughs> And piece. now it's a distant past, right? It's 30 years ago at this point. But yeah, so then she, she contacts him on a video screen. He gives her the ruby, right, through the little box. That's what we start with? Yes. Yeah. Um, and so now she's gone back to him again, and we are on to the bed is not my own, or was not my own, um, between the senator and the yeah. whore, and they have... These two people have found each other as we're about to loop again through the movie. Uh, And we end on kind of a, I don't know, note would be be my note for that. Where where do you you come down on this finale? We pay off everything. (laughs) We pay off everything. (laughs) Every musical theme is reprised in here Mm -hmm. in some way. Mm -hmm. The Bed Was Not My Own is probably one of my favorite songs in musical theater. Really? Okay. Um, So let's just go through this song and go through what we pay off. Sure. Um, My my girlfriend, my cousin Marie, Mm -hmm. pay off Marie. Mm -hmm. Um, And Leo Cardia briefly says that their name was Marie, but it's not really Marie. Um, (laughs) 
<laughs> That's just me saying it. Sure. The girlfriend I knew, which is the girlfriend I knew, and which was in the uh, we set up like four other times. Um, sleep, angel, don't wake up. Which we cut to every single one of our lovers saying at one point yes. while that that lyric is happening, yes. as if to imply everyone's angel. Um, angel wings are tattooed on Leo Cardia's back. Yes. Why? Because they are angel. We are angels that fly. <laughs> we are angels. Um, Only answer. Something I think added specifically for the movie is she's like, I think this belongs to you and it's the ruby. Um, and mm-hmm. they're very grateful in the end. Um, hey there, where you going, lover? Finally paid off again. Um, and they say the ones I'd like don't have to pay once again. Which right. Leocardia lets the Plimpton off the hook there. Right. For the end of that. Yep. And then, of course, hello again, which is... Yes, because we have to, if it's a circle, we have to end where we started, and we end yep. with hello again. Which is how the, the, the thing starts, too. Like, that's the first yes. line of the of the film, is is hello again. Uh, so, here here we are. We've, we've musically paid everything off. We've if, made it, kids. If not emotionally. Um, and I'm in tears, and I'm like, start it again! The movie's perfect! And then I have to deal with the stupid so one scene. This does really get you by the end. Like you're really yeah, 100% invested at the end. That's wow. I guess yeah, I mean, I I agree. The bed was not my own is a beautiful song and is a nice place to to close. But I really do find like this is a lot of really interesting ideas. And I don't know that they are But I also wonder I'm always of two minds about things like this because then I wonder if like if there was a more coherent, overt, overarching connective theme, like connective strong tissue, if I would dislike it because it was too closed off. One of the things That's- that kept me coming back to the album was the fact of like, all right, I'm going to like, because I listened to it the first time, expecting it to be what I explained. And then when it didn't have that kind of theme to it, I was like, okay, I'm going to, well, I always listen to these things a lot. So I'll listen to it again. I'll figure it out the second time. And then I didn't. And then, you know, I was like, okay, well, it'll be in the movie. And then it wasn't. And then, so I think, yeah, maybe the thing, the fact that it is so ambiguous is one of the things that's so tantalizing about it. Same. I, I, I think that's one of its core appeals is how, literally you can make whatever you want of this like look at me i got all these connections i could make an entire essay about just four of these connections and what they could mean between these different stories mm-hmm. why is why is the myself myself myself's popping up in which spots and what what connects them and mm-hmm. what are they who's the aggressor in that situation perhaps that um when angels are said what are angels supposed to mean are they the little heavenly literal heavenly angels or whatever the fuck mm. So a lot you, of things. Well, so if the if the play that this is all based on is an expression of how like class divides be- betray our animal, the animalness of being a human, or the very humanness of being a human. What do you like? Where do you land? What do you come away with that this musical or the film? I mean, I'll let you pick either. Is sort of expressing about what it is to be, you know, a, a fully sexual human being. I think my opinion on this and what's your sexuality- opinion today I'll, I'll even give you that like yeah, yeah this could today. change yeah what, I, what do you I, think of today i think with that knowledge i think sexual activity is the only thing that really tears down the boundaries between like high society lower class all that because when you're naked and vulnerable you're naked and vulnerable you could be tied up and left for dead you could be completely left in your hotel room mm-hmm. you could be left all that you could be the <laughs> 
the the mistress of the senator and be this big actress but it doesn't matter because you don't have that connection Mm -hmm. um really that is the one thing that makes us as raw and emotionally vulnerable and tears down the boundaries between like status in society so you think it's the same it's the same idea it is the idea that it's still we're still focusing on like the idea of of class being the 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 connective theme through all of this i'm not disagreeing i'm just i think that's still a very big thing that's interesting i think it's definitely a huge theme in it because it all depends on who has the power and both sides have had power both the rich and the powerful and the poor and the meek but let's think about Lacuzia for a second. Sure. Um, first daughter suite. No message. No message whatsoever. Sure. Has nothing of interest to say about these these ladies. Mm-hmm. What they do have something to say about is their connections to one another as human beings. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think this is. It's about connections to each other as human beings. Vignettes, I don't think it has an overall like message. So you don't think he's interested in that necessarily? I don't think he's writer. interested in that. I okay. think he's interested in connections, musical themes, and power dynamics. Can you please let every so people can find you all over the place? Where where what do you what do you what do you got the plug for us here in your podcast? I do a podcast called Musicals with Cheese on the Broadway Podcast Network. I do another podcast on the Broadway Podcast Network called Dear Friends, um, with I think friend of the show Emily Clark. Friend of the show um, Emily Clark, absolutely yes. One of the best people, and Christy Esterly of Musical Hell, who is absolutely fantastic. Um, we just talk about musical theater, and it's fun. Um, what else? Um, I'm on Twitter at Jesse D. McAnally, spelled M-C-A-N-A-L-L-Y. I know what it looks like. It's not that. Not that. And I think that's all that's worth sharing at the moment. Um, I, 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 I love being on this. This is a lot of fun. Anytime you want me back, I would love to be here. The bed was not my own. Someone slept with me. Someone slept beside me in the dark A girlfriend I knew My wife and my ex My cousin Marie The thing in the park The blonde from the bar The guy from the gym Not really her, not really him. The original cast is produced and edited by me, Patrick Flynn. Please rate and review us on your podcatcher of choice. It's the easiest way to help the podcast grow. If you like movie musicals, then you have to check out patreon.com slash originalcastpod to learn about our bonus podcast, The Original Cast, at the movies. You can follow The Original Cast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at originalcastpod. Special thanks to our social media manager, Bethany Zalecki. Hi, Bethany Zalecki. I hope you're having a great day. You're awesome. You're not paid enough. Get, get, go on strike until he raises it 5%. Patrick Flynn is unfair. Patrick Flynn is unfair. My thanks to Jesse McAnally for coming and talking to me. I'm Patrick Flynn, and I can't. I have rehearsal. You too.